UFC 229 post-fight thoughts. Dun dun dun! Hey guys, Fight Junkie here. Before we jump into this next episode, as usual, I want to remind you guys, hit me up on Twitter at FightJunkie.com, listen to me on Anchor.fm, and of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash FightJunkie2006. So before we get into that crazy Conor Khabib ending and riot and all that stuff, I'm going to go over a few of the other car, uh, fights on the card. The first is the crazy bastard, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. This guy is some kind of entertainment, I tell you. He was losing every second of every round and came back with literally like a 10-second win, knockout win in the very last round. It was amazing. Every time I watch this guy, you think his technique is sloppy. He can't take body punches. His cardio is bad, but he's got heart. And of course, big power. Threw the overhand right as much as he could for most of the night. Didn't really do too much at all. I thought he was getting dominated. And then boom, he landed it and finished the show. And then this crazy bastard, after the fight, takes his shorts off. When Joe Rogan asks him, why are you taking your shorts off? He says, my balls are hot. That's what you get with Derek Lewis. Obviously, um, Joe was hinting at a title shot and stuff. I think he was ranked number two or something crazy like that. There, He's not ready for that. I agree with him when he said that he needed to work on things, especially with his cardio, and he didn't want to hear any of that jazz about a title shot because he wasn't ready. I believe that 100%. I don't know if he can get ready, though. That's a problem. He's had back issues and back problems, and he's talked about that before, why he's had piss-poor performances and because of his back, and it affects him as training and everything else. And supposedly, that was fixed, and he was much better and felt better, and his training was better, and it didn't look like that at all. He's always going to be fun to watch. He's always going to be entertaining. You never know what the hell is going to come out of his mouth, but I'm not so sure he's going to be able to fix the things he needs to fix to be able to compete at the highest of the highest level. Granted, he always has a chance. He's got heart, so he stays in there even though it looks like he's going to collapse and fall over and it looks like he's done. He stays in there and he's got the big power, so he's always got the chance to land the bomb. But overall, I don't think like he's technically the best. Obviously, we talked about his cardio and stuff, but the dude is fun to watch. Sign me up for watching the Black Beast fights. The other thing, on the other fight that I liked on the card was uh, the Karate Hate. I thought she did really good. I always like her skill set. It's just I always think she's so tiny, even 415 pounds. I believe she started at 105, and I think that was a much better weight, but she's strong. I mean, she is strong for, for 115 pounds. It's just a lot of times the girls can bully her around. It looked tonight like she handled that a little bit better than she normally does. I like the judge that scored at 30-27 actually because that's like a la pride rules here where uh, even though Watterson got taken down and was held down a little bit. She did way more damage from the ground, and those elbows were brutal. Herring was just holding her there, and I believe if we went back to that type of scoring, we would see more action from the bottom. Anyway, she won no worse than 2-1. to one. I would have scored at 3-0 for her. She's definitely got a lot of skills. A lot of people are high on her. Like I said, I don't think many people beat her off skill set. It's mainly due to size. The other fight that we actually capped, and there's a prediction out there on a YouTube, if you want to listen to the podcast, was the Tony Ferguson Pettis fight. 
That was a barn burner. That was a war for as long as it lasted. And we spoke about this going in. If you guys want to go back and listen to it, click that icon in the right corner if you're listening to this on YouTube. And that will link back to the predictions uh, podcast where Tony was most going to be in danger. Striking. And you saw that. Boom. Down he goes. He's got a great chin and he's he's aggressive and he believes in everything he does, but it's vulnerable. I'm telling you guys right now, it's a vulnerability the way that he strikes. He has good MMA striking, but his defense is piss poor. He relies on his chin. He relies on his toughness. And you saw what Pettis did there. For a second there, it looked like he was really, really hurt. And then Pettis had him, you know, on the ground and uh, Ferguson was in guard. He was taking some damage there. Of course, He powered through it, got over it, and ended up stopping Pettis when Pettis couldn't come out after the second round. They cited a broken hand, and that's probably true. I'm not here to question Pettis's, you know, toughness. He's a warrior, and they they put on a great show. But you could see that Pettis was starting to fade after that, and you could just you could tell. Like I don't know if it was because of all of the pressure that Tony was putting on, if it was a case of all the cuts and losing all that blood, or if it was a combination of both but you could just kind of see the energy just go just drain away from Pettis as the fight kept going and when he got back to the corner uh Duke Rufus his his trainer asked him right away like hey what do you want to do if you can't go they knew it right away even before they were talking about the hand so I think that was a case more of he probably is injured I'm not going to say that but you could see even if he wasn't injured, I'm going to say he comes out and Tony was the fresher guy and he probably stops Pettis anyway in the third round. So I'm not going to harp on him calling it right there at the end of the second. I knew he was done. If he did have a broken hand, there was no reason. He did all he could, as much as he could for as long as he could. And Tony just gritted it out. But like I said, we talked about this in that pre-fight. It's dangerous when Tony stands like that with exceptional strikers because he gets hit so much and you only have a limited amount, a limited amount of punishment you can take. So we already saw him get dropped and get hurt there. So you got to look at that when he's facing other elite strikers, like how long before somebody catches him like Pettis does and he doesn't recover. So that's something to look out for. Okay. The big one, the main event. What was that? Let's just go into how the fight played out first, and then we'll get into all the chaos, which is what everybody's going to be talking about. It truly did overshadow the fight. Um, Khabib, early with the takedowns. We mentioned this briefly in the pre-fight predictions that we thought Connor's best opportunity to win the fight was in the first two rounds, assuming he didn't get taken down. He got taken down right away and beaten and battered on the ground, especially in the second round. Not so much in the first round, but you could see Khabib was just holding holding him there. He wanted to uh, suck some of that energy out of him. In the second round, it looked like he was really trying to hurt him. He was really trying to go for the finish. To his credit, McGregor survived. At, at times there, I thought it was over. Like To me, it looked like, like he, he's not defending himself. This is going to be stopped. 
but he survived. He gritted it out. And actually, in the third round, Khabib decided to just stand right in front of him. I thought that was a mistake, but hey, Khabib must have felt that his power had diminished, that he was getting tired, that he could prove a point and stand in front of McGregor like everybody said he couldn't. And in fact, he even wobbled McGregor, dropped him, actually, with a wide looping right hand. So that's a feather in his cap as well. And then as the rounds progressed, you saw in the fourth round, Khabib came out with more energy, far more energy than what he did in the third. That's why I think it was calculated. Going into this, we talked about this, that I was worried. Khabib said he wanted to carry him. He wanted to punish him. He just wanted to make him tired, and then he would eventually quit. And early on, he was talking about a decision. And look, we got into the fourth round. So in those in the first round, you could see he took him down, kind of just hold him, try to get McGregor tired. And the second round, to me, it looked like I'm trying to hurt this guy, rearrange his face, finish him if I can. In the third round, it looked to me like he pulled his foot off the gas, said, okay, McGregor, show me what you got striking. And he stood right in front of him for most of the round. In the fourth round, you could tell immediately came out with more aggression and more energy. And then boom, right back to the fence that we talked about. As soon as Connor backed himself up in that distance of the cage, boom, he shot. Immediately, just like we talked about. He does it time and time and time again. In fact, I was actually shocked at how he was moving away in the first rounds, the first two rounds, and then shooting long singles from there. Normally, he doesn't do that. And maybe that was the trick up the sleeve they talked about uh, during the buildup, that they had some tricky business up their sleeve that they would show on McGregor, and maybe that was it. The right hand, I'm sure, was also part of it. But in the fourth round, that was more what I expected from Khabib. He came out aggressive. He pushed the pace. He backed McGregor up. He got him in that distance of back-to-cage area that he loves. Boom, he shot, took him down, and here we go, neck crank style. This wasn't even under the chin. Even though Joe Rogan was screaming at first, it's under the chin. It wasn't. It was just a pure, hard, strength neck crank And Connor tapped. And if you notice, Khabib didn't let go. It was actually Herb Dean. Herb Dean, excuse me. Herb Dean that broke his grip. So Khabib was going to hold that thing. He was trying to rip his head clean off his shoulders. And if you don't believe that, look at all the freaking chaos that happened after this. Immediately, Khabib stands up and he's pissing and swearing and cussing and hollering at Connor. Then he goes right over to his corner. And at first I thought it was his coach or something. I I couldn't see with the camera. But then you see it was uh, Dylan Dennis, I believe is his name. And then him and Khabib were John and Khabib jumps over the freaking cage and all hell breaks loose because him and Dylan start fighting in the crowd. All the crowd starts fighting. There's cops everywhere. Then Khabib's cornermen end up jumping back into the cage over the top and start blasting Connor in the face. It was a melee. I mean, just pure and utter chaos. There's people all over the place. Khabib is outside. Some of his team is inside. Connor's fighting with his team on the inside. Khabib is fighting with Connor's team on the outside. It was insanity. Now, I can't say the police presence and the commission didn't do a good job because it looked like they tried to grab Khabib as soon as he jumped over. But once you're in that, there's so many people outside the cage. Obviously, you got 
press, you got photographers, you have all the uh, commission people, you have the police, you have the cornermen. So it became just chaos. You obviously can't control everybody, no matter how many people you have, because it's a very tight, confined space. So I'm not going to harp on people for not taking the proper precautions or anything. I don't believe that was the case. It was just Khabib had taken all of Connor's trash talk the entire time. Remember, people looked at this and said, Khabib is so cool. Khabib's not letting him get in his head. Khabib this, Khabib that, Khabib this, Khabib that. All Khabib was doing was boiling inside that entire time. It was like a kettle sitting on the stove, just boiling water and then after the fight, he exploded and he wanted to smash anybody and everybody associate, associated with Connor. If he could have got back at Connor, he would have. But Herb was obviously there keeping him away. Even though he was John stuff, there was no more physical contact there. So he immediately turned all that boiling, steaming hate to Dylan and Connor's corner and Connor's team and then that's where it just boiled over and he jumped over and it was chaos from there now it doesn't look good for the sport I have to say that I've seen crazy things in boxing we've had riots before with Andrew Galata and Riddick Bow, people hitting Galata in the head with radios I mean it was crazy but obviously for the UFC you don't generally see that they do a pretty good job of keeping everybody on control this was pure chaos. It's all everybody's going to be talking about. I truly believe it overshadowed the fight. It overshadowed his dominant performance because let's be real. He dominated. He dominated Connor the entire fight. Even the round, the first round when he really didn't do much, he still won the round. The second round probably could have been 10-8. The third was if he, I still think Khabib won it. And the fourth round, he submitted him. So even if you give Connor one round, fine. I won't argue with that. I think Khabib took them all. I think he dominated them. It wasn't really close, honestly. Connor barely got off any offense. He did land a couple shots, but nothing breathtaking that thought Khabib's on his way out or that was a tremendous shot. Nothing like that. It was domination from Khabib. This overshadowed his performance. They they let him back in the cage, but then they ushered him right back out. They ushered Connor out. They didn't give Khabib his belt, his belt inside the ring, uh, inside the cage. Uh, Dana was heard on, on TV saying, I can't give you your belt inside this cage because it's going to basically start a riot and other people are going to get hurt. I mean, that's not a way to end such a high-profile fight. You know, they were talking about all the pay-per-view buys it was going to do and how it was the biggest fight, most anticipated fight in the history of the UFC and all this promotional stuff. And then when you go back to it, we started with this bus incident and now we have this incident with people jumping out of the cage and people jumping into the cage and fighting just regular people outside the cage and then regular people coming in and fighting counter inside the cage. It just, it didn't look good. I truly do think it overshadowed Khabib's dominant victory, his 27-0 record. This is all everybody is going to talk about. It's all you're going to see on the media. It's all you're going to hear about the fans talking, all on social media, right? This is going to dominate all the headlines. And so he's going to lose some of that luster that he choked out McGregor. He made him tap. He made him quit. 
just like he said he would. He's already tapped three times. He's already tapped four times. He'll tap again. It's no big deal. He's done it before. He's here for the money. We've heard it all. So he proved what he was saying. And then somehow, some way, he let that rage boil up and it overshadowed him. You could see after the fight, he was like, whoa, like, did I go too far? You could see it in his face. He was kind of like apologizing to, to people and saying, no, okay, if you tell me to stop, I'll stop when they let him back in the cage. But by then, the damage was done. And think about it. What's going to go on with the commission? This guy's the champ now. He just beat McGregor. They're going to make a bunch of money. It's going to do you know headlines around the world. And now this chaos and this riot is going to dominate all the headlines. And what happens to Khabib? You can't fault Connor here. I have to say that. You cannot fault Connor here. And I don't believe you can fault his team either. Let me say that point blank. No matter what you think of Connor, no matter what you think about Khabib, no matter who you picked, no matter what you bet, Connor and his team didn't do shit to cause this. Connor was not fighting anybody. I didn't even see Connor jump back at Khabib once they stopped the fight. He was just sitting there looking straight ahead. He wasn't even looking at Khabib. And then Khabib went outside. Connor didn't go outside. He didn't jump out of the cage. He stood in the cage. Then he was attacked by uh, Khabib's team inside the cage. And even then, like, you know, if you got to defend yourself, do whatever. But even then, he was kind of like, what is going on? So I don't fault Connor or his team one iota for any of this mess. So in my opinion, this all falls on Khabib, 100%. So what's going to happen to him? Well, you got to expect fines, right? And then you would assume a suspension. He's going to have to go before the commission in a hearing, 100%. How can they not? Now it's just a matter of what do they give him. If they're going to do a slap on the wrist, it'll be six months. Now, granted, he has been fighting roughly every three or four months, and that's what he wanted to continue to do. But in my opinion, a six-month suspension is a slap on the wrist. Because even though he's been fighting every three or four months, this is a big fight. He probably wouldn't fight again for another four or five or six months. So if you pull him out for six months with a suspension for doing this crazy riot and attacking people, I think it's a slap on the wrist. If they go a year, I think that's actually the right punishment here because you can't just, you can't have that. I mean, that could have started. I've been at these fight. You're talking to T-Mobile. I've been at these arenas. I've been at these places where these things are jam-packed to the brim. If you haven't been there, you don't understand. You can't even move. I mean, it's shoulder to shoulder of people. You can't have things like this causing riots. The amount of fights that were going to take place anyway because of the Irish and Russians going at it was going to be insane. So the police presence and the commissions and the security and all that was going to be, you know, having a tough time anyway. But when he goes and does this, it's just going to be complete chaos. Not only are the Connor fans loyal, but they're rabid. They're fanatics, man. Even on social media. So imagine what's going on at the arena. And then their guy lost. They lost all the money that came in on Connor early. And there was a lot of money. It drove Khabib down from like 245. I think he ultimately closed like minus 160, minus 170. Still a far cry from the minus 245. And there's alcohol involved proper 12 there's a lot of situations there that don't 
equal a good time. It's just a powder keg waiting to go off. And Khabib should have never done that. I believe he has to be held accountable 100%. If this was Conor doing it, everybody would say the same thing, right? They're always, you know, talking about how he's always like out of his mind and if he's on drugs or drunk and how he was acting at the press conference and how he slapped Khabib's hand and all that stuff. Yeah. You know what? It needs to be under control and you don't want to see fighters hurt. You don't want to see fights postponed and all that stuff. So there has to be some level of professionalism, even if you hate each other. But what Khabib did, he took that way too far. Like that's way overboard from anything that I've seen Connor do as far as what the buildup was, excluding the bus situation. And he's got his own legal issues going on with that. Again, the UFC didn't do anything. That's not surprising. I don't expect the UFC to do anything to Khabib. I would expect it's the commission that will do something. And that's obvious because that's their champion now. He's 27-0. and 0. He's obviously going to want to get back in the octagon as soon as possible. They can promote him against Tony Ferguson. That's a fight that's supposed to come off. Tony just won. They're not going to want to slap this guy down for two years. So it's going to be whatever they can negotiate with the commission. I predict that it's probably six months, which would be a slap on the wrist. Again, I think a year is more accurate of what should be put down on him simply because of how bad this thing could have went. And it was pretty bad already, but it could have went even a lot worse. And then you have Khabib's cornerman coming in over the top and hitting Connor. I personally believe they should be barred from cornering. I don't believe they should be allowed to work the corner again. You simply can't jump into a cage and start punching people just like Khabib can't go out into the audience and start punching people. It was just a terrible incident. It's definitely a black eye for the sport. Of course, over the next coming days, the weeks, you're just going to be bombarded with it. You're going to have news stories here and there, and you're going to have questions for Dana White, and you're going to have commission hearings, and you're going to have fines. It's just going to be all over every channel, and that's not how you want to promote the sport. Obviously, I don't think anybody in the UFC wanted this. I've been critical of them for using the bus promotion to promote this fight when Dana came out originally and said it was the worst thing he'd ever seen and blah, 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 blah. And then they use it to sell tickets. But again, I don't think they wanted this. Would they use this for a rematch or something like that? Possibly. I wouldn't put it past them. But as far as the night went and how it ended, I'm certain that Dana White and the UFC is not happy how things played out. So let me know what you guys hit. Let me know what kind of cheddar you got. Let me know the fights that you liked. Let me know what you think about this crazy Khabib Connor outcome. That's it for this episode of Fight Junkie. I will suck it to you tomorrow, baby. Fight Junkie out.